At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I would also say, given how much you've already saved, like I think it's important (laughs) that you have a life too, that we don't just save money. Hello, and welcome to Planetia's podcast, Future Rich. I'm your host, Barbara Ginty, and I'm also a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I am here today with my guest, Neat. Hi, Neat. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy to be on. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking at a really nice spreadsheet. And so for all of our listeners, you do not have to have a spreadsheet to come on, but most guests like a good spreadsheet like I do. So why don't you give us kind of the rundown? So how old you are, where you live, what you do for work, income? Yeah. So I am 35. I live in the state of Texas where we don't pay state income tax. I am a uh, a manager for consumer products, good company. Um, I make about $127,000 a year eligible for like a 15% bonus. And I think at a top line level, that's, that's, that's me. I think I've done most of the things that I've read about in terms of, you know, you you know, fund this account than this account. And so I'm officially at that place where I could use a little bit more help. <laughs> well, I will say it's pretty impressive. So um, single, married, partnered? Single, um, in a relationship, um, but okay. single. And no, no kids? No, no children. Okay, perfect. So I will just, can I tell the listeners what you have down as your, what your net worth is? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so no debt, which is a dream, and your net worth is at four hundred and fifty-eight thousand. Correct. I feel like we could just do like a little round of applause in our heads. That is awesome. So you have been the personal finance train for a while, then. I have, I have. How did you get start? I think it's interesting. Like, how did you get into it? Because you have a lot saved for retirement already. So, just curious. Yeah. So when I graduated from college, my mother wrote me a letter with pen and paper and told me that I needed to, um, all the accounts that I needed to fund. So it was like 401k, at least do the match, 
Roth IRA. I, I couldn't have maxed it out right out of college, but you know, there was a number there. And so like, that's, that's, that's what I did in the beginning. Honestly, I didn't know the details. Like I funded my Roth IRA and I didn't even invest the money because I didn't know what the next step was, but I knew that I was supposed to be doing something. Um, so I am 35. So I've been working for, you know, you know, actively for at least like 12 or 13 years. And every time I got a pay raise, I pretty much kept my expenses pretty flat. So that's so you one didn't thing. Like do the lifestyle creep. So you just kept living on what you were used to living on. Pretty much. Yeah. I did not do lifestyle creep. And what else? And then I just invested. <laughs> um, so I didn't save um, $458,000. It's probably a lot less, but I've been fortunate enough to um, be earning during years where there's just been a lot of growth in the market. And so I'm, I've, I've benefited there. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a lot saved between your 401k and your former, your, your rollover IRA. Correct. I think that just speaks to like how well the workplace plans do. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been very fortunate there that I've worked for companies that have, you know, done at least, uh, you know, four, you know, between four and 6% matches. And some of them, I think all of them have like thrown in like an extra one to 2% at the end of the year as like a little bonus. So that's been really helpful for me. Fantastic. Yeah, because a, a little over 50% is through just your two work plans, not including your Roth, which you did on your own. Perfect. Okay. So should we talk about your gross pay, total pay? Okay. And then net pay. So you bring in monthly after federal social security, Medicare, your medical dental vision, HSA. And then I'm assuming that your net pay of the 5,000 717 is also after the 401k, right? Yeah, that's after. Zip. Yep. Okay. I see that mm-hmm. monthly. All right. And this is all just on your base salary, right? Not including the bonus that you're eligible right. for? Correct. That's just all on my base salary. Perfect. Okay. So you bring in 5717 net monthly, and that is with you're maxing out the 401k. Yep, I'm so you're doing the, and that's all you're doing the pre-tax 401k. Um, yes, I'm doing the pre-tax 401k. And then you're doing the nineteen thousand and change. Correct. Yep, doing that. Perfect. Pre-tax. And then, mm-hmm. yep, for pre-tax, and then you're getting the six percent match. Correct. Wonderful. Alrighty, that's awesome. That's why those numbers are so good. Um, and then, so for your monthly budget, you save five hundred for the Roth. You put in fifteen hundred into your brokerage account, which is just a a non-retirement investment, and then 400 into your savings. Yep, that's just like, just it's in like cash, emergency fund type money. Man, you are crushing the savings. So <laughs> you are doing, this is awesome. So you're doing 24, of your 5,700 and change, you are saving another 2,400 out of that. Yes. And that's after you're doing... 19,500 a year, right? Into your 401k. Correct. So that's after 1625 is going into your 401k. So you are saving, we're just using that. That's a pre-tax dollar, but so you're saving like 4,000 a month. Correct. That's amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love these numbers. Okay, so after so you and you just moved and you lowered your rent by five hundred. I did. Okay, so um, I also would like to point out to all of our listeners because I'm looking at the spreadsheet and you're not, but I don't know if this is how you do it, but you have your savings first and then your expenses after. Yes, I automate my savings. I live off of whatever is left. So, you know, after rent and like insurance and things like my food budget will change, but I'm living within whatever is left over. (laughs) I I always have like referred to it as budgeting backwards because I think that the common mindset or habit really is to start with your expenses and then whatever's left over you save. And I have always liked to do it the other way, which is like, let's target your saving goals and like where you want your money to help you. And like, how do you want to achieve, you know, what your financial goals are and then figuring out, okay, now that I've tacked on, you know, and I think it's it's definitely easier when you are just worried about yourself. You don't have kids to feed or daycare, but you know, everything is nuanced, but I love the idea of starting with your savings goals first and then saying, okay, this is what I have left over. So after your five five thousand seven hundred and seventeen and we take out the twenty four hundred for your savings goals, you live on three thousand and we'll just round numbers, thirty three hundred a month. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So then your rent from that is a thousand, uh renters insurance fifteen, internet sixty, utilities eighty, car insurance, I'm gas, car maintenance, all of that comes out to be all of that comes out to be 465 and then you have your subscriptions and then the variable expenses groceries are 300 eating out 500 fun oh gosh we have another savings down here your travel fund for 400 yeah so when i moved apartments so yeah so i'm in a relationship that is going to be a long distance relationship and so i figured I would take the difference and and set that aside so that I can see my significant other. Perfect. Okay, so then you already like factored that in. So yeah. then that so that negated it. So you moved you're in the lower rent up like lower cost apartment and then that way the difference you could use for travel expenses. So your budget stays the same. Yeah, so instead of saving it, I you know, I think it's imp- especially coming out of um, like COVID and not being able to go places, like I don't want to force myself into staying home so I could save $500. Like I'd like to live it and enjoy it. Well, I would also say given how much you've already saved, like I think it's important (laughs) that you have a life too, that we don't just save money. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, perfect. So then after all the expenses, so the biggest ones being vehicle and obviously housing expenses, you have a hundred and we'll just like a hundred dollars left over. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So not a ton of wiggle room, but you have a ton of liquidity. So like, I will run down what we have in terms of assets, if that's okay with you. So your current 401k, the one you're actively contributing to with the 6% match is at 70,000. It looks like this is from a former job. So it's now a rollover IRA, meaning it's no longer with that former company. That is 188,000. Your Roth IRA that you're actively contributing to, which we need to talk about in terms of eligibility, 73000 Your old pension is at 12000 And then you have um, two brokerage accounts 
which total just round numbers here about 83 84,000 a health savings account for 7600 and then an emergency fund of 22,500 for a grand total of 458,000 yeah crushing it i forget what the number is but they say that i like posted about it one time i think Fidelity came out with like a benchmark, like you should have like one times your salary saved by a certain age. So we can put that up in the show notes, but you're ahead of that benchmark. So you definitely don't need any help with budgeting at all. You're nailing the savings. You're saving more than most people save. So let's talk about the questions that you have. So your first question, I also see the fire. I, I don't know why I didn't highlight that in the beginning, but I also <laughs> see the fire goal at the bottom yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> So if you wanted to take, it seems like a step back in your career, a step back income wise in your career and maybe do the fire and then could you live, you know, have less. So we'll go over that too. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the Roth. So how likely is this 15% bonus? Well, for this year, I, I received it. Um, Oh, you did? Because that's $19,000. Yeah. So I, I did get that this year. And so I know that by the end of the year, you know, I don't know. You're going to be at 146. Right. And so I know they say Ooh. it's like that window of 125 to 140 is where you're still allowed you to contribute, do. but it's like some percentage of what yeah. everybody else is. So like, I don't know if I'm over, if I'm in, in that window or if I, you know, you deduct for like, you know, pre-tax stuff investments that I would be under like I'm just really not really not sure so for the listeners um what Neat is referring to is with a Roth IRA if you have income above a certain level you are no longer eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA outside of your work plan because you're doing the Roth IRA outside of work so greater than 140,000 of your modified adjusted gross income you are not eligible, but the, you know, with the government, it's always really fun with our tax code. So your modified adjusted gross income is the definition of it is basically your adjusted gross income plus a few items. I'm going to defer this to an accountant. That would be my recommendation because you know exactly what your W-2 is going to be, right? So your W-2 income for the year should be one hundred and forty six thousand, mm-hmm. and you're really just like on the borderline here. So it just depends on what your modified adjusted gross income comes in. So I would, because I'm not an accountant, defer it to your accountant and find out what your Maggie's going to be, and then what amount you can do, if any, in the Roth. I'd almost say I would hold off on the next couple of months contributions into the Roth and put it in savings. You can always add it in later yes because if you have to take money out it is a pain in the butt that's what i'm trying to avoid okay you definitely want to avoid that we've done that we've had to do that for people in my day my day job where they and so that is a pain so it's better i think to first consult a tax professional and find out what your number is going to be and what you're eligible for and then put it in in one instance then have to pull money out of it thank you just to save you a little headache how does one find an accountant or identify like 
A tax professional? Or a tax professional. Like Okay. Well, this yeah. is great. So we have a download on the website, and I think we call it the three C's. It's free download. We go over the difference between a CFP, a CPA, and a CFA. So you can get a CPA. That is the tax designation. You can also, so CPAs, like anybody with a designation usually is charging a higher fee, right? Because they did the extra schooling. You could also find what's called an enrolled agent. So that is somebody who just does taxes might be a little bit cheaper than a CPA. You might not need, I don't think you need a CPA to do your modified gross income, but you could look for a CPA or an enrolled agent to find, to do your taxes. Yours should be pretty straightforward because you're just going to have the W-2 right from your employer. So it's a pretty simple one. You could probably also, I hate taxes, so I wouldn't want to do it, but you could do it yourself two on one of those like TurboTax or one of those online services as well. Okay. I personally just like my taxes are complicated. So I just like to be able to talk to somebody and I'm happy to pay for that service. So I would say either, either way. And I think a good way to find a professional is to ask people that you trust for recommendations. Thank you. I will do that. Because the only reason I would maybe consider getting someone is because of your next question. (laughs) So the mega backdoor Roth. Yes. Okay. So for our listeners, this is a good one. You're like going over all the big stuff today. So it is a defined, your 401k is a defined contribution plan. And a defined contribution plan is either a 401k or a 403b and it allows you to save for retirement. Now, when we talked about what the... 401k contribution limits were, which we were, you're saying that you were maxing out, which is the 19,500. That is your employee. So if you were to write this out, you would capitalize the two E's at the end so that you knew it's your employee. The 6% that's going in, and the 6% is going in based on your bonus and your salary. Is that correct? I'm not sure. I think it might be just on the base, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay, so let's use that as the number. So that is so 127,000 and they're contributing 6%. So they're putting in another $7,620, which is the employer. So if you were taking notes, you would capitalize or underline or bold the ER. You are putting in 19,500 as the employee, right? So we capitalize and underline the EE. And so that means that a total dollars going into your plan is right in your 401k bucket. That's how many total dollars are in there. Now, because the 401k is under the defined contribution plan, the defined contribution plan has a total dollar limit as well as a a vehicle. And that limitation is $58,000 that are allowed in that workplace plan. Where it gets complicated is... Not all workplace plans allow you to take advantage of the defined contribution limit. So if you think about it as a a bucket, you can put up to $58,000 in it, right? That's the total amount allowed. You are only allowed as an employee $19,500. So you've already taken advantage of that. Then the employer can or or cannot do a match, but they are doing a match. So let's just say, so then they're doing the $7,000. Six hundred and twenty dollars. So that's already employer dollars are taken advantage of. So now, up until what the IRS limits for your defined 
contribution is the 58,000, you have $30,880 that are still allowed to be in your bucket. Okay. So that's all wonderful. If now the trick is, did your employer, do they offer a workplace plan that allows you to take advantage of this next step? And not all of them do. They do. They do. do. Yeah. I was listening to podcasts and I called up everybody from the, I don't know. I, yeah, they do offer it. Now the question is, do I do it? Do I take the dollars that I'm putting in of my brokerage account and put it in this thing? Cause in the, 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 the mega backdoor Roth, or do I just keep it where it is? Cause I don't have that much more money to come up with <laughs> um, beyond like what I'm saving now. So it's, the question is like, am I allocating it in the right place? Okay. So I, so Two questions. One is, it is not that common that they allow this. So do you, how long do you intend to be with this employer? So that is the question. Okay. Because can I tell you what I'm thinking? Tell me what you're thinking. What I'm thinking is it's very unique to be able to have the income to do this and to have a plan that allows it. Like to me, that's like a unicorn. So I, both of them are lining up that I, my company does it and I, I, I have the income to do it, but I know that these plans are really for people who make a lot more than I do. And so, you know, it, I can do it, but do I want to do it? Like the extra. Can I tell you my idea? Okay. So here I'm going to play devil's advocate with you. Okay. The brokerage account, your brokerage and your savings, you already have a lot in there. You're 35. You are most likely, if you're not going to be cut off of the Roth this year, you'll probably be cut off, cut off next year. Mm-hmm. Right. With your, with your income. Yes. So my thought is at least do the Roth amount in here, because then you don't have to even worry about the modified adjusted gross income and are you eligible or not eligible, right? You eliminate that whole deal. I would even argue that at 35 and working at a job where this is allowed, where you have the option to do it and it's still allowed legally, like from the tax code, because it's been on the chopping block for a long time that they want to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. So this, in my mind, it's a unicorn because you have income, we could reallocate your savings. The workplace plan allows it and it's still allowed, like from the IRS standpoint. Okay. I would even say maybe we take the money that you're putting in the Roth IRA outside of work and some of the money that you have allocated for your brokerage account and do this instead even if you only do it for a year or two. Okay, that makes sense. I do have a follow-up question. Okay. When I was doing more research, it was as though because I have a rollover IRA that has pre-tax money in it, I was going to get taxed again. So the pro you're referring yeah. to the pro the pro rata rule. Yes. Okay. So the pro rata rule typically only comes into play. And this is another reason why you're going to want an accountant. The pro rata rule only usually comes into play when you're dealing with two types of dollars. So basically you're dealing with, um, if you have after-tax dollars inside of an IRA. So if you have two types of taxation that's typically where you're going to run into it. So if you were doing this outside of your work plan, for instance. Okay. So that's why it depends on 
how they, if it's an immediate conversion. So here's the trick. So when you're in your workplace plan, so let's just say we decide to take the money and you will have to confirm that the match is only on your base salary, not on your bonus, because it's important to know how much money you have inside of this plan, right? Yes. So assuming that we're going to allocate, let's just say $2,000 a month. So we take the brokerage and the the 401k money and we're going to use that into this non-deductible option. So it goes in as a non-deductible option. It should be immediately converted into Roth. Okay. Okay. There we go. Does that make sense? So it goes in 2000 as cash, immediately converts to Roth. Okay. And I can also double check as well, but I believe if it's done that way, then you would be outside of the realms of the pro rata rule. Okay. I hope that's the case because it sounds really good. Yeah, because like the trick, the prorata rule usually comes into play when you have two different types of dollars. So you have a pre-tax dollar and a post-tax dollar, and a post-tax dollar meaning it isn't as a Roth dollar. But if it immediately converts, that's that would be the question for the accountant, right? If it's not invested as a non-taxed, as a post-tax dollar. Right. So if it goes in as non-deductible, but is never invested, it immediately converts to Roth, then it's very clean, right? Because there's no growth on that 2000. The 2000 immediately becomes Roth. Okay. But for our listeners, this is a definitively complicated strategy. And to confirm all of your outside accounts, your rollover IRA is 100% pre-tax. It is 100% pre-tax. Yeah. So I think, I do think then you would be fine. I think that if you said that you had post-tax dollars in there, like you had a non-deductible IRA and an IRA is typically where you see when people are trying to do this outside of work, where they're going to do a non-deductible IRA and then convert to Roth, that you can run into it. I think that there's an opportunity to see if the way they convert it, it never, it goes in as non-deductible, but if it immediately converts, maybe we can stay without outside of the pro rata rule. Okay. All right. So with that being said, should I talk to a CPA and not talk to the enrolled agent? <laughs> Yes, I would talk to a CPA because they have to be familiar with they have to be familiar with backdoor Roths using a workplace plan and they have to be familiar with the pro rata rule. Okay, that will be my next step. So if this is available at work and you know other people doing it at work, I would see who they're using for an accountant. Okay. Because this is really unique. So I definitely have run into accountants who don't, you know, like this isn't their wheelhouse, just like everybody has specialties in all careers. If you're not dealing with a client base that has these types of workplace plans, you're just not going to be as familiar with it. And they can look it up and advise you, but I think you're better off going to somebody who's more familiar with these types of uh, strategies. Okay. I'll, I'll have to find one. I don't talk to my coworkers about these things. Oh, yeah. And as you mentioned, it seems like it's a unicorn plan. So I'm going to have to put my search terms together to find a CPA that does this. Yes, I would de- I would definitely find one because I think that this is a unique opportunity. So I would even say if you took it, if you're able to take advantage of it and you're not going to run into the pro rata rule, even if you did it for two years and then let's say you're not there anymore, then you could go back to investing in the brokerage. But I think that you could dump a bunch, you know, in two years time, you could put like 50,000 into the Roth. I could. Okay. And then you could just let it cook. Which would be lovely. Just after Which would be money. lovely. So, okay, hopefully that was helpful on that. Some of these more higher end strategies are not as clear cut because you have to look at the different variables. So 
the budgeting is a little easier to be like yay or nay, and this is a bit harder. <laughs> so that is what I would do. I would investigate that. That's the only thing I could see about how to optimize your current situation because I okay. think that that's a unicorn, and that would be to me that would be something sticking out in what you have available because you're really doing a great job on all the savings and how much you already have saved. Um, and you're doing all the different types of savings. So you have an emergency fund, you have your own individual investment account, you have the Roth, you have your rollover, you have your 401k. So that, to me, this is where you have a unique opportunity. And then I would say if you want it to retire in 10 years, are you saying that you would only make 75 from from now till when you're 45 or? Yeah. Okay. So are you thinking about leaving this job? I am thinking about it. I'm I'm doing some more like soul searching in terms of careers and what makes me happy. And I'm trying to identify something that is sustainable and that I would want to do in the long term. So I haven't made a decision yet, but I'm exploring the idea and it might not pay 2022 or 2023 what I'm getting paid right now. Okay. Um, so the great news is you don't live on your, your, (laughs) you don't live on your salary now. I think, okay, so let's see, let's just do rough. The 10 years is a nice number because, you know, compounding of interest, I always just use the rule of 72, which is if it earns 7.2%, then in 10 years, your money doubles. So if let's just say all else being equal, if we just took your net worth, we could say that then the retirement would be do, 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 and I'm going to put your Roth in there too and just put it all together. The pension amount, is that a pension like a lump sum payout in the future or is that going to be like a monthly income? Um, I haven't decided yet. I'm still thinking about rolling it into my rollover IRA. Okay. Um, but it's, it grows a little bit every year. Okay. I'm going to hold that outside of it because it probably isn't growing at 7.2%. Prob- I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Probably not. 70, okay, 73. So between the rollover IRAs, uh, the 401k rollover IRA and Roth, that would get you up to 662000 for retirement in 10 years without adding anything, right? which I don't think would be the case. And then the key here is between your brokerage, your brokerage account would get up to 160. So I think we'd have to figure out if you took a job for 75000 how much you would be saving. I don't think you need to save quite as much as you're saving now. Your budget is also really reasonable, right? Like what you need to live on is basically Mm $3,000. So you would still have bandwidth for saving. I think from the retirement standpoint, especially if you dump more money into it in the next like six months before you change jobs, I think that you'll have enough with retire. So the way I like to do it for the fire if you listen to my other fire episodes, is I think it's a little easier to break down a traditional retirement and then your fire goal, because then the fire goal you can save the brokerage account money for, right? Okay. And you would live off of that money, right? Because you don't want to be pulling from your Roth or your traditional IRA at 45. Correct. So at 45, you'd have 662 without putting another dollar into your retirement. And then at 55, Ideally, that would be at 1.3 million. And then at 65, it would be at 2.6, right? So from a retirement standpoint, great. So then the fire would be, that's where you would want to bump up that number. Okay. Because that's what you would take money off of, in my opinion, you would take money off of to supplement yourself for like, not probably a full retirement, but like a semi 
That's how I'm picturing it. Like I'd have to do something. Yeah, you have to do something, right? So yeah. so let's say if you got that up to 250000 you could pull like 5% off of that. And that wouldn't be a lot, but that'd be like 12500 But then you wouldn't touch your retirement monies, right? Because then that's going to meet you if you're at, that's going to meet you at 65 or even at 60, right? Where you're going to start pulling those monies. Because then at that point, it should be about $2 million in the middle there at 60. Mm-hmm. So it's really about coming up with the money that you can access earlier. So I would say that would be your brokerage account. Okay. So if I were you, I would talk to the accountant, figure out about this negative factor Roth and see if that's an option. And then also see if it aligns with what you want to do next. Like if, if the goal is really, the primary goal is really fire, not the traditional retirement, then maybe you keep funding the brokerage account. But I would say if, if fire is the goal, depending on how long you stay at this company, I just like the idea of using this vehicle if you have access to it and it works, you know, you're not going to hit the pro rata rule and everything's okay from a tech standpoint. And then let's say in a year you decide to go to a job at 75000 I would say then at that point, I would think over the next 10 years, your goal would be the brokerage account. Okay. That makes sense. Because you've just done such a great job on retirement that that will just keep cooking. If you know, you'll have sound investments in there. You can even, if you go down to 75000 in income, you could then do the Roth again, right? So oh, yeah, you could it would put, be eligible. Yeah, you'd be eligible. So you could do, let's just say your savings at that point then total because your income will be lower, but you're also, your budget's still low. So let's just say your savings total then was $1,000 or 1200 You could put two fifty towards the Roth, 1000 towards the brokerage. Okay. The key to all of this really is the fact that you're, expenses are so low. So for you to go, I, I want to say back down, because you didn't start at 127, but for you to go back down to like a $75,000 income, you're just going to put less away for retirement, but you've already put so much away. So. Okay. Yeah. My goal in like fire, I don't know, in my mind, I'm not going to be fully retired. It's the goal is to not, is to create enough income to live. Like if I didn't save any more money, Yep. I would be okay in the long term when, you know, 65 comes around or, and I'm really like truly ready to stop working, like no work at all. Like the goal is between like 45 and 65 is to not have to earn so that I also am contributing to retirement. I, I'm hoping that I've cre- I've saved enough money and invested enough money that it will continue to grow in the background while I don't, you know, buy it down or while I'm not taking from it. Absolutely. So I think you've done a great job with what you have saved up, the fact that you have no debt and you already have 458000 saved up. So I agree that I don't think you don't have to stay in a job so should you save for retirement. You would be able to, especially because you're talking about like 10 years out, mm-hmm. you would have enough where as long as you don't touch your traditional retirement, the Roth, the rollover, that that would continue to grow and meet you when you want to be fully retired. And then you could definitely take a step back. And then that just is like how much you have in the brokerage account and what is that going to pay you, right? So, you know, if you have 250000 in there and it's doing really well, it makes 10%, then yeah, you could take all the gains off of that. And that would be 25000 mm-hmm. which for you would cover a lot of your expenses because your expenses are about, you know, 3000 a month, 3300 a month, and that would bring in 2000 That would be great. So I think it's, I think that's very reasonable. I think it's also, I just like separating it out kind of like what you just said, where you don't jeopardize the permanent retirement, like the real one. Yeah. That's, that scares me. I don't want to be 65 and like, I have to work and I have been, you know, pseudo work, you know, barely working for the, the, the 10 years prior to that, that is, 
So to me, that's a worst case scenario. So that's why I like to like separate it out because at 45 or, you know, 46, if you're like not wanting to work, it's one thing. But if you're like 70 and not wanting to work, I feel like that's a worse situation because like you're older and maybe don't feel as well. I can't do it as much. So yeah, I think that I would get an accountant and figure out this, make a backdoor Roth, see how long you anticipate staying at the company and whether or not it behooves your goals to take advantage of that if it works from a tax standpoint. And then from there, when you do take another job, I would focus on the brokerage account because that will help you do the retire, or fire, retire early or reduce okay. your workload. Perfect. And we have a lot of people um, that come on the show. Uh, we've, like, we're doing another real estate expert, but we've, we've had a couple already on the show. By the time this airs, we'll have had three, I believe. And so with that brokerage account, you could also investigate if it makes sense to, you know, buy a two family home where now you negate it, your housing cost. Now you really only need 2000 to live on or 1500. So there's a lot of things you can do, especially because you have time and, and you're, you've done a great job with the budget. I was, okay. I, that was a question that I'd actually typed out and then I deleted it. Oh, um, so does it, would it make sense to try to find a, a duplex when I'm making less money or does it make more sense to secure that opportunity before, like now? I would say that from a lending standpoint, you'll be a better risk with more income because they're going to, and you have no debt. So they, that's one of the things they're going to look at as your income. Okay. And, and those duplexes aren't cheap. <laughs> They aren't. They aren't cheap. And there's not, and, and here's the, the flip side of the coin to play devil's advocate. There is something to be said for having no debt, right? Like you don't have, you're totally mobile, right? Rent's yes. very reasonable. You don't have to worry about, you have less unplanned expenses in terms of furnace, roof, sewage, hot water, heater, all that you don't have to deal with. But I do think for the people that I've seen, and this is just my opinion, for the people I've seen who've done the fire, neutralizing the housing costs, so they have none or they're making money on the housing cost has helped with the fire goal. Yeah. I need to, to figure that out. I've been looking into it over the last year and I'm, I, I think they're really brave. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and that's the thing, and it, and it might not be for you. You have to, it, it is a job, right? Like sometimes it goes really smoothly. Sometimes it doesn't. And it's not for everybody. There's a lot to be said for just socking away money into an investment account and just living off of that and having a part-time job. Right. Mm-hmm. And not having to deal with, you know, the downsides of owning a tangible property, you know, tangible asset. But overall, you're in great shape. So it's really just, I think, taking advantage of what you currently have at your fingertips, if it works from a tax standpoint, and then allocating your saving goals towards what your goals are, right? So if the fire thing is the priority, then at, at a certain point, you've done a great job with retirement, I would, you know, focus a bit more on the non-retirement. That makes sense. Alrighty. Did I answer all the questions? You did. You hit each and every one of them. Okay, perfect. Well, I appreciate you coming on. This was a good one. Thanks for having me. And thank you for walking me through my numbers and sending me, you know, in the right direction for the things you can help me with. So I'll be following up with a CPA to talk more details. Perfect. And for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram for our must up-to-date information at Future Rich Podcast. And you can check out our online classes that are in partnership with SUNY Ulster at www.futurerichpodcast.com. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.